Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park several weeks sailing over to China go relatively smoothly. That is, if you count vomiting between your legs as you shit simultaneously in a toilet every 20 minutes as smoothly. If I'm being real, I can't recall much of the trip after day three when the scurvy set in. The last thing I do remember is foaming at the mouth as the Chinaman held me down and cut my arm open with a knife to release the tainted oxygen from my bloodstream. The next thing I know, I wake up with a lime stuffed in my mouth and another one stuffed in my anus as Samantha stands over me shouting, Welcome to China! We're here already? I ask, half-dazed. Already? You've been in bed for three months! After removing the limes, I slowly get up out of bed and stumble over to grab a bucket of water to splash on my face. My arm is still throbbing. I look down and see a dirty rag covered in dried blood wrapped around the wound. As I run water over my face with my hands, I feel a sweet-ass lumberjack beard. I look at a small mirror that is hanging on the wall and I barely recognize the man staring back at me. Not only do I have a huge beard, but my hair has grown past my shoulders and some of it is tied in Viking braids. Who the fuck braided my hair while I was bedridden with a horrible disease? is weird, yet somehow matriarchal. I will say this. I'm pulling off this look with ease, almost as if I was born from a long line of semen. Come on, you knew that line was coming, so you're welcome. When I walk up the steps to the bow of the boat and look out across this gloriously strange land they call China, my first thought is how beautiful it is. My second thought is, holy shit, there are a lot of people here. Thousands upon thousands of Chinese people are working in rice paddies and fishing for food, all of them with precise discipline. Probably because they know they'll be hungry an hour later. Stepping off the boat, I am immediately greeted by hundreds of them. Most of them are staring at me in awe while they touch me. I look over at Samantha, puzzled. What's happening? They have never seen an American before, he says with a lisp and a slight laughter. How do I say ladies touch first in Chinese, I ask. Oh, cool, I respond. I repeat this exact phrase back to the crowd that is gathered, and only the women start grabbing me. 
From then on, I was perfectly fluent in Chinese. I felt confident that this was the only phrase I needed to learn, and I turned out to be right. Samantha lets the gorgeous women take me away while he runs back to his village to get his people. He is compassionate about the long boat ride over with a bunch of dudes, and he understands that I need to have sex with a woman. Or multiple women at the same time. Whatever they're cool with over here. Spoiler alert, it turns out to be multiple. I scream out to Samantha to come find me when he gets his shit together. After what I'm about to experience that night, I don't care if he ever finds me. It is obvious I am destined to be here. The Asian women lift me off my feet and carry me high above their heads six miles into the town of Quan Po. Sorry? I just made that up. I can't remember the name of the town. Point to any city on a map off the eastern coast of China and pretend I'm there. Everything in Asia looks the same. As we enter the main street that goes to the center of town, people come out of their shops and businesses to view me. They are clapping, hurling fresh fish at me to eat and offering me karate lessons. Strangely, they're all dressed like former President George Washington. <laughs> Asia really has always been way behind the fashion trends. When we reach the top of the street, I notice a wooden house with steam rising from it. A painted large sign hangs underneath the faded red bamboo roof shingles. I see the letters, What does that mean? I ask. One of the women responds, Ladies, touch first. I told you that was the only phrase I needed to know. A large wooden door opens and I am hit in the face by a burst of hot steam. The women slowly lower me to my feet. As the steam dissipates, even hotter Asian women greet me, ones who haven't been working out in dirty rice patties all day. They are all wearing beautiful silk kimonos and wooden sandals. Suddenly, I realize I'm in some sort of exotic Asian bathhouse. I have heard rumors over the years that these are traditional in the Far East, but I never believe them. When the women take off their kimonos and start undressing me, I know that it's real. They pick up buckets stuffed with loofah sponges and walk me back toward a gigantic bath. Four more nude women greet me once I hit the edge of the water. They spin me around, cross my arms, and slowly baptize me in the warm water like I am baby Jesus. There is something truly special about Asian women. They're like exotic angels, wise beyond their years, who barely speak and always clean. They really know how to take care of a man, all while possessing a high level of tolerance for shit, much more so than American women. This night, I experienced their hospitality firsthand, beyond your typical bukkake session. When I emerge from the water, I feel like I've been reborn. Mostly because one of the women is scrubbing my penis a little too hard with a loofah and it feels like I am being circumcised again. Another woman puts a pillow on the edge of the bath and lays my head back, sticking a long hose connected to a hookah in my mouth. She smiles sweetly and asks, Opium? What? You can smoke this shit too? She nods her head yes and I roar with delight. I'm gonna be rich as fuck when I get back to America. Fully relaxed, I hit the hose and inhale deeply. Holy fucking shit. On impact, I am instantly flying. This isn't the genie in a bottle that I've been sipping on back in America. This shit is as clean as Zeus's dick. 
My eyes roll back in my head and stay there until I cough them back forward, releasing the smoke from my lungs. To top it off, there are six different women simultaneously scrubbing every limb and orifice I have. One of them begins to ride me slowly, and although you know my stance on sex in the bathtub, this time is different. It's more sensual somehow. Probably because I'm high as shit and I don't have to care about my performance. They're the ones who gave me the drugs, so whether I last two minutes or an hour, they knew what they were getting into by sticking that hookah in my mouth. One by one, each woman takes turns riding me like the tourist burrows at the Grand Canyon. I make love to what must be 30 or 40 women for what seems like an eternity. When I'm finally ready to orgasm, they all line up in the water and stare directly into my eyes. There's something really special about 40 beautiful Asian women waiting for you to erupt. It's a heightened sensation, like sniffing glue on the roof of a stranger's house. After achieving the climax of the century, I unleash double Dutch-style ropes across everyone's faces and chest. Yes, all 40 women. Immediately upon finishing, two girls grab my arms and pull me up out of the large community bathtub. They proceed to wipe me down with warm towels that feels like they've been resting above a fireplace for hours. Shortly thereafter, I am led down a long, narrow hallway where another door magically opens. Thousands of rare Chinese butterflies fly out of the room and down the hall. A myriad of silk pillows cover every inch of the floor. Nude women are sprawled out everywhere around another hookah in the center of the room that resembles a Chinese medusa with multiple hoses flowing out in every direction. Each one of them takes turns smoking and passing the hoses toward one another. There's none of that junky eagerness to them, probably because they know it's endless. When a hose gets passed to me, I take a deep pull, and one of the women begins pouring hot oil all over my chest. One by one, she walks around and pours oil all over everyone. Free of all inhibitions, we begin rolling around on top of each other mindlessly. Technically, what transpires over the next several hours would be classified as sex, but to call it that would cheapen it. It is a full-blown bacchanalia or a high-grade orgy to you common folk, and I am the only man involved. I can't even guess how many orgasms are had. Women ride me, they ride each other, and a couple of them even fuck a hand-carved, anatomically correct wooden statue of Buddha that rests in the corner of the room. There is no sexual judgment over here. You are free to do anything. Anything. For instance, during the second hour of this fuckfest, I start crying. Not in a bitch or an I miss my home type of way, but actual weeping like a mature man reaching the highest sexual peak he's ever known. Imagine Christopher Columbus dipping his balls in American soil for the first time. That's the type of crying I'm talking about. The unabashed feeling of reaching a new plateau and wondering if you will ever achieve something like that again. I empty my entire soul into the room, and just when I have nothing left, the women pick me up and gently carry me out. I don't think I can take anymore. I have no more energy, I say, defeated. They giggle and lead me through yet another door where I'm hit with more steam. As the steam retreats, an entirely different type of oasis appears in front of me. A beautiful nude chef stands behind a hibachi grill cooking fresh shrimp, steak, chicken, and fried rice. She smiles and flips a cooked shrimp at me from across the room and I catch it in my mouth. It is the tastiest little shrimp I've ever eaten. 
The girls lead me to a seat at the front of the grill and pour me a glass of rice wine. They know a man doesn't like to be bothered while he's eating, so they leave. <laughs> this is the first peaceful dinner I've had in a long time. After the chef finishes cooking, she draws a smiley face on the grill in oil and then lights it on fire. I can't help but applaud. Afterwards, she leads me back into the opium den where we drink some more wine and smoke while I'm massaged again until I fall asleep. When I awaken 18 hours later, we do the exact same thing all over again. I'm addicted, not only to opium, but also to this new way of life. The only question that remains is, how long will this last? How many days can one man experience sexual utopia? After six years, I am finally ready to leave China. It turns out, six years is pretty much the max amount of time you can live in utopia and have endless orgies every day. Who knew? Also, eating grilled hibachi food every day, which is delicious and something I used to consider to be entirely possible, has ended up taking its toll on me in the form of a ridiculous sodium intake. In layman's terms, I've been ingesting more salt than a humpback whale. My blood pressure is so high that I've lost all feeling in my extremities. I try to soldier through, but when one of my baby toes falls off and it takes me nine days to notice, something has to give. Once I lose my sexual abilities, women have no use for me. They are kind enough to make a wheelchair out of bamboo and wheel me into town so I can meet up with Samantha Davis again. If he's still there. I flag down a man who's running up the street towing a rickshaw behind him. The man stops and smiles at me with big wooden teeth stained with dried blood. <laughs> Son of a bitch, it's him. <laughs> That's such a Samantha thing to do. His ability to find a job anywhere is truly remarkable. We share a chuckle and he tells me that his family is all loaded up on the boat ready to go. When I ask him if they've been on the boat for the last six years waiting for me and he says yes, I feel a tad selfish for what I've done. That guilt goes away pretty quickly when I look back at the skyline and see the bathhouse in the distance and think about all the sex I had there. I will miss this lands. Since I can't feel my legs from all the sodium, Sam lifts me into his rickshaw and runs us toward the boat into the Chinese sunset. Watching him run at top speed makes me incredibly thirsty. So I pull off the canteen that is bouncing up and down around Sam's neck and drink all of its contents. Did you and your family gather all the opium I requested? Yes, boss. They even fully processed it, too, so we could fit more in. Excellent. Remind me to double your pay when I open up my new business back in America. So, I'll get two cents a day? I guess. You drive a hard bargain. Upon arriving at the dock... I'm almost positive that I suffer a small stroke brought on by attempting to climb the rope ladder to board the boat. After I place my swollen left foot into the second rung, a shooting pain runs down my right arm. I smell burnt hair, and I black out. To be fair, I smell burnt hair the rest of the boat ride back to America, because that's how Samantha's relatives cut their own hair. By lighting a match, then blowing and hoping for the best. Much like the journey over here, I don't remember much about the journey home. I vaguely recall Sam's relatives nursing me back to health with the opium. <laughs> that shit really does cure any ailment you have. Also, at some point during my sleep, 
I think someone shaves my face and all my pubic hair off, which is apparently an old Asian tradition. It wards off sickness from recurring. Or Sam's uncle shaved it and glued it to his face to fill in his own patchy beard. Either way, I'm grateful. If he wants to have a pube beard, so be it. He's his own man. Three months pass before we approach U.S. soil and I miraculously feel better than ever. My sexual confidence is sky high. I stand at the bow of the boat and take in this new America. A lot has changed in six years. San Francisco seems more prosperous, bustling with people. There are also a lot of dudes in fishnet stockings, which seems strange, but years later will make perfect sense. I am happy to be back in the States, but I'm missing something between my legs. My steed. Even though it has been a while, I haven't lost any stank on my sweet two-finger whistle when I summon him. Everyone stops what they are doing as the whistle echoes throughout the lands. I cut my ear and wait patiently, knowing that beautiful son of a bitch will come running. Moments later, far off in the distance, I hear his hooves galloping across the amber waves of grain and through the purple mountain majesties before finally appearing in an all-out sprint down toward the docks. Watching his long, powerful strides, all I can think about is how this motherfucker symbolizes everything powerful and free about America. As he trots toward me, I step down from the bow of the boat and greet him with a long embrace. My pistols hang in their holsters around his neck. God, it feels good to holster up again. It also feels good to stick someone up and steal their carriages so my 60-person Asian crew can ride back into town. As they line up and cram themselves inside, I realize that 20 or 30 of them are women I've slept with at the bathhouse over the years. We share knowing glances and a few of them even graze my cock out of respect. Asians are just a step above slaves during this point in America so we get a few looks from people on the ride back to my house. Someone even screams out, What are you, yellow? I refuse to answer them because I can't tell if they're just being observational. Truthfully, I'm not concerned about what people think. After being in their country and experiencing their culture, I realize that these people are the future. If I want to have a successful business in America, I need workers that I can pay virtually nothing preying on the fact that they are just happy to be here. When our carriages come up over the countryside towards my casa, I feel a twinge of nervousness in my stomach. After all, I haven't seen my family in six years. I'd be lying if I said I didn't think about them all this time. For instance, I remember this one time when I was like, you know, it would be really nice to have someone to speak English with. And they came to mind. As we draw closer, I see my six kids doing chores out in front of the house. Physically, they are almost unrecognizable now because they have all grown into little men. Daniel, who is now visibly older, smiles at me warmly and spits out a huge stream of tobacco juice. I halt my steed at the edge of the garden which has grown tremendously. An abundance of fresh fruits and vegetables now populates the garden. When I hop down, my kids race over to greet me. My youngest son, Bourbon, actually asks who I am. At least they can all speak and understand orders now. Hey, boys. I brought you back something from the Orients. Samurai swords? Bourbon screams in excitement. No. Something better. When I pull off my cowboy hat to reveal six sets of Chinese finger traps made out of bamboo shoots, they seem a little let down. 
Each of them grabs one and they jam their fingers into them as they run off. Except Daniel. He just glares at me as he strokes the sides of what appears to be a mustache. Then he casually picks up the last remaining finger trap out of my hats. He shakes his head in disappointment. What the fuck am I going to do with this, Dad? Put my dick in it? He says in a deeper register. Holy shit. He's really grown up. (laughs) It would probably fit you, son of a bitch. You got any milk to go with those cookie crumbs above your lip? (laughs) We share a laugh and I punch him in the gooch as I put my hat back on. He doubles over on the ground and holds his crotch trying to catch his breath. Welcome home, Pa. Loretta comes running. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Out of the house screaming. What's all the commotion? She stops cold in her tracks as our eyes fuck. Staring at her, all I can think is, wow, she's gotten older. I was afraid this would happen. Don't get me wrong, she still looks good, but once that wagon goes downhill, you know that thing is going to need a lot of repairs after it crashes. Her tits are still huge, though, so I take my hat off again out of appreciation. Good to see you, Lou. You look almost as good as one can at your age. Where have you been? It's been six years, St. James. Has it? Shit. I'm sorry. I knocked over my abacus and lost track of where my beads were. Anyway, I'm home now. Thanks. I see that. Who are all these people? (laughs) These people? Come on, that's pretty racist. How about we discuss this over a nice hot bath that you draw for me? Oh, and if you want to say, welcome home, you can do that too. Welcome home, she says flatly. I do, however, notice a twinge of relief in her eyes when she says this. Another little boy runs out of the house who I don't recognize at all. Welcome home, Pa, he says. I stare blankly at him before motioning to Loretta. Who the fuck is this? Your new son. Remember the night totally fucking Mexico died? <laughs> I knew I got you pregnant. I'm the fucking best. She shakes her head and turns to walk inside as my new son runs out to pet my steed. I grab Daniel and pull him aside. Help the Chinaman unload the bricks of opium I brought back and stack them in the barn. Smoke a little if you want to test the merch. I'm going to go have sex with your mother and try to smooth everything over. Cool. He says as he walks over to greet the Asians. Loretta seems annoyed as I read the newspaper while she fills up the tub. Sensing she's nervous about being intimate, I take it upon myself to break the ice. 
When she goes to retrieve the last couple buckets of water, I use my newspaper and some tub water to create a massive Russian nesting doll out of paper mache over my penis. She tries to play it off like she's not amused when she comes back in. What is that, St. James? Shh. Watch. One by one, I pull off 30 individual dolls before revealing my huge erection underneath. Loretta finally cracks a smile and begins to take off her clothes. It's time to go to Pound Town. As she undresses, it dawns on me that this is the first time I haven't bathed with 30 to 40 women at the same time in six years. Even though Asian women are great, they lack in the breast department, which is something I sorely missed. I don't know who said life is all about the small things, but they're fucking liars. Nothing beats a good old-fashioned set of white women's breasts heaving like a fat man jogging. Never one to window shop. I get up from the tub and make out with Loretta, slamming her heart against the wall. We crash completely through it, falling down on the bourbon's bedroom floor, never breaking penetration. I glance over and see his hobby horse rocking back and forth from the force of our landing. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? I whisper. That we shouldn't be doing this in one of the kids' rooms? Nope. I'm thinking we should turn that hobby horse into a professional horse. What's a professional horse? One that lets you fuck on it. I lift her up and carry her over to the horse and sit down with her facing me on my lap. With subtle precision, I begin to rock back and forth, gripping the handles on the horse to keep a smooth and constant motion. As we make love over the course of the next two hours, I occasionally look out the window and see the Asians unloading the opium into the barn with Daniel. Also, a few of the Asian chicks I've been banging over the past six years have gathered outside and are staring at me. The whole thing is very erotic, and I find myself looking directly at them as I climax, just as I did in China. Loretta holds me like a conversation, squeezing my biceps hard, her nail marks leaving fresh trails of blood. She is no doubt thinking about the new sexual agility I've acquired over the last six years. The air is so thick with the scent of sex and blood that I have to open a window after I finally pull out. Daniel, when you're done loading that opium into the barn, could you come up here and fix the wall I crashed through with your mom? Why is it still me? Because I'm still your fucking dad. Thanks. He shrugs his shoulders and throws down a brick of opium in disgust. I flip him off, double-birding him as I shut the window. Loretta stares at me with a bewildered look on her face, probably because I'm still hard. So what is your grand plan now that you have all this opium? What are you going to do with it? Smoke it. I'm also going into business with it. Do you have any of that money I gave you six years ago? Yeah. A couple of dollars left, I guess. Why? Good. I'm gonna need it. I'm going into town tomorrow. Loretta follows me as I walk back into our bedroom through the giant hole in the wall. After putting on my jeans, I reach into my pocket gingerly because this fucking boner still hasn't gone down. I pat on my other pocket, and that's when it hits me. I almost forgot. I brought something back for you. Should I close my eyes? Loretta asks eagerly. No. I want you to see it. Carefully, I begin to pull a beautiful full-length silk kimono out of my jeans pocket. Seeing the happiness in her eyes when I hand it to her, I think back to Curly when he pulled that card out of his chest as he was dying. He probably wanted the same reaction I just received. Oh well, know your audience, I guess. Loretta puts on the kimono and walks over to the window. 
How long are they gonna be here? Well, if all goes well, they should be gone by tomorrow afternoon. A few months tops, maybe four years at the most. What? Relax, they're all self-sufficient, and I've obviously instructed them never to come inside our house. Plus, I bet they could help you with that bullshit starter kit garden you got out there. That garden fed us for the entire six years you were gone. And I commend you for it. You're a good woman, and I'm gonna feed your mouth forever with what I'm about to do. But Daddy had a long journey, and I need some form of meat. I'm sure Daniel has some bald eagles stashed away. Prepare me some dinner. I gotta go check on my Chinaman. I kiss her on the cheek and walk out. Later on that night, I sit down and eat a home-cooked bald eagle dinner with my family. My boys have outgrown their whiny bitch stage and they aren't crying or shitting in cloth diapers anymore. Instead, they have manners and respect. Even the new one is cool, whatever the fuck his name is. I meant what I said earlier about my wife being a good woman. It doesn't mean I'm not going to cheat on her every chance I get. I'm obviously still a man and she knows that. But I have a newfound respect for her as I stared at her from across the table. You've done a great job with these boys the last six years, Lou. Raising these little fucks without me must have been hard. She seems genuinely touched by this. Thank you. Do you want to help me put them to bed after dinner? Not really. But I'll do a walk-by after they're down and fire a couple invisible six-shooters they wear as I pass. I'm gonna go have a cigarette on the porch. Daniel perks up. Can I come too, Dad? <laughs> you sure that little brush above your lip won't catch fire? Kidding. Come on out, son. A full moon lights up the Coloma sky on this beautiful night as the two of us share a smoke and catch up. I actually missed this place, I thought, as I looked out at the gravesite where I fucked a stranger on top of my dead kid's casket. There are a lot of great memories here. So, what's been going on for the last six years? Just partying, bullshitting, the usual. I lost my virginity a few weeks back. Daniel says nonchalantly. Did you pay for it? No, it was my teacher at the schoolhouse. <laughs> I bet your grades improved. All A's. Ma's never been prouder. I pat him on the knee. That's great. That's really fucking great. How's the town? Town's good. It's really changed. You'd hardly recognize it. The Schlager brothers run everything now. People dress up when they go to town. All the men wear suits. The women wear these big, poofy dresses. Get the fuck out of here. There's even a mayor now. There was an election and everything. Who's the mayor? Mr. Van Buren. <laughs> of course. I'm sure that was an honest election. That bastard is going to love me being back. How's your shooting, by the way? I'm the best there is. Been practicing every day since you left. All right, tough nuts. We'll see. You want to come into town with me tomorrow? Hell yeah. I've even got my own steed now. What? Where did you get a horse? It was the strangest thing. Mr. Paulson brought it over and left him when he was a foal. He seemed angry about it. It wasn't too long after you left. I cough up smoke and laugh. Holy shit! I've forgotten that I had let my steed fuck his gimpy horse. Classic St. James. This father-son moment is perfect until I see Samantha's uncle shitting inside our drinking bucket. He waves at me and flashes a big toothless smile. Most of his pube beard is still intact. I wave back at him and lean over to Daniel. 
Clean out that drinking bucket when he's done shitting, okay? Daniel rolls his eyes as I walk into the house upstairs to do a walk-by of my boys sleeping. The first two look so peaceful in their beds that checking on the rest of them seems unnecessarily boring. Instead, I blow out my lantern and dip into my bed, putting my arm around Loretta, whispering sweetly into her ear. Let's bone in the morning before I leave. Love you. The following morning, we do bone indeed, before I head out with Daniel into town. Strange riding alongside of him all grown up on his own horse. Luckily, his horse got my horse's jeans and it's a pretty decent steed. Trotting down the main road into town, I am truly taken aback by how much has changed. Daniel wasn't bullshitting. The buildings are bigger and the makeshift Schlager Brothers signs on every storefront are now professionally hand-carved, neatly hung above the shops. The population has almost doubled in size and everyone is dressed to the nines. All the men are wearing tailored suits while the women wear dresses with corsets. Daniel and I look like a couple of Mexican strawberry pickers compared to everyone else. People start ogling and pointing at us like we're the goddamn help. For the first time in my life, I feel like a lower-class citizen. Not one woman stares at my cock. Why? Because women don't stare at a poor man's cock. They know they can fuck a poor man anytime, but a rich man, you have to stare at his cock and let him know that you're there. I might as well have ridden into town with a crotch cut out of my jeans because these women don't even glance below my belts. If you ask me, that's the real poverty line. With my anger boiling, I instruct Daniel to quicken the pace so we can get to the deed office faster. Once we make it safely, I'm amazed by how much this place has changed as well. It's a real bank inside, and the stink is gone. People are actually conducting business in here instead of bartering for shit. Meanwhile, I'm standing here with two wadded-up dollars in my hand, looking like a beet farmer who has taken his mildly retarded son into the big city for the first time. Someone even hands Daniel a nickel on the way out like he is tiny fucking Tim. After about 20 awkward minutes of our standing here feeling out of place, a nebbish teller with glasses comes over and walks us over to his desk. He motions for us to have a seat and checks his watch as if we're taking up his precious time. Daniel nudges me annoyed. Dad, why don't you just blow a hole through the roof like the old days and tell everyone to fuck off? First of all, there are two armed sluggers working security at the exits. Second, I need to keep a low profile until I'm able to open up shop, you understand me? Yeah, I guess so. Do you want some bread, son? The teller asked Daniel with pity. What the fuck? No, he doesn't want any bread. We're here for business. I'm St. James Street, James. Oh, I know who you are. You used to run this town back in the day. The only reason I even brought you over is out of respect of who you once were. Infuriated, I lean down to Daniel and say, Remember when I said I was going to keep a low profile earlier? That just went right out the fucking window. I pull out my guns and twirl them swiftly before laying them down on the desk, pointing directly at the teller. Daniel taps his pistols as the two schlagers go for their guns. I smile calmly through clenched teeth and remind the teller who the fuck I once was. Since you already know who I am, I'm surprised you don't remember that I'm the fucking stone-cold killer who will not hesitate to rip out your eye and skull-fuck you in front of all your co-workers. I'll rape your mind so hard they'll be able to hear what you were thinking at age nine. He stares at me in shock and quickly tries to backtrack. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. 
Let's also not forget your place in this world versus mine, shall we? You may be able to buy a fancy suit, but you'll never be able to buy courage or a set of dick and balls like these. In one swift move, I grab his hand off the desk, stand up, and jam it down the front of my jeans. His hand is holding my entire dick and balls. The whole place gasps in horror and the schlagers rush over toward me. Daniel rises up and draws his guns with lightning-fast skills, aiming them both at their heads. He really is fast as shit. And they back off. What do you feel down there, I ask the teller in front of everyone. Uh, I, I don't know, a man, he says. A man with what? Uh, a man with a real set of dick and balls? That's right. I'm a man with a real set of dick and balls. Don't anyone fucking forget it. Looking each and every person in the eye, I pull his hand out of my jeans and slam it back down on the desk. The teller quickly wipes it off on his slacks and adjusts his glasses, which have fogged up with moisture from his tears. I throw a handkerchief directly into his chest and motion for him to clean his shit up. Realizing the situation isn't going to escalate, the Schlager brothers back off and Daniel stands down. The teller tries to regain his composure. What can I do for you today, sir? He asks. I need to buy some property in town. Something I can build a business on. Oh, I'm afraid everything in town has been bought up by the Schlager brothers and Mayor Van Buren. He reaches into his desk and pulls out a new map containing all the property lines. I rip the monocle attached to his coat clean off and examine the map myself. This bastard isn't lying. They really have bought up everything in town. Every inch of the downtown grid and all the mines have been purchased by the Schlagers except for one plot of land with a big pig head drawn next to it. I smile to myself, remembering what Manny told me years ago. I press my index finger down on it. What is this? Why is there no name next to this property? Oh, you don't want that property. Matter of fact, no one wants this property. Why is that? Daniel asks. This is the property next to those filthy Chinamen who feed dead people to their pigs when they can't afford funerals. It's disgusting. They do serve exquisite squirrel dye, though. I flash a grin at him and ask, How much is it? Um, that's two whole dollars, sir. He says, like I probably can't afford it. I pull the two dollars out of my pocket and throw them in his face. Sold. Draw up the fucking deed. You can't be serious. Why do you want this property? Do you want to feel my dick again while I explain to you why? Or are you going to draw up the deed? I'll draw up the deed. Smart man. I pick my guns up off his desk and put them back in my holsters. Out of the corner of my eye, I notice Mayor Van Buren walk in and casually greet the townspeople milling about. As much as he pretends that he's just popping in to say hello to everyone, I know he's here to see what I'm up to. He politely tips his hat towards me as he walks over. Uh, uh, Mr. Street James, good to see you back around these parts, he says, smug as fuck. It's good to have my parts back around here again. What brings you in today? Spell the word deed backwards, and that's what the fuck I'm doing here. He nods sarcastically, then pulls out his own monocle, examining the grid. Jesus, everyone has a fucking monocle now. The teller points to the property I'm purchasing, and Mayor Van Buren raises an eyebrow curiously. He shakes his head incredulously and puts his monocle away. 
Uh, 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 are you crazy for buying our property? It's directly next to the Chinamen who feed dead poor people to their pigs. They do have the best squirrel die in town, but what on earth do you hope to do with our property? To build an outhouse and fuck your mom in it. Or I'm going to open up a business there. Haven't decided yet. Uh, uh, pray tell what kind of business? Leisure, I say as I stand up and light a cigarette, exhaling it in his face. I'll see you soon. I grab the deed from the teller and walk out. Daniel also gets up and smiles in his face. I can feel Van Buren eye-fucking me as we stroll out. I'm not going to give him the satisfaction of the look back over the shoulder. Instead, I keep going and cop a feel off a tit of an unsuspecting woman walking in. St. James Street James is back, motherfucker. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 